In um, 2015, I was invited to go to Norway with Bruce Collins. Many of you will know Bruce, and he features in many stories that I share. He's a, a church leader. He lives in West Wales, and um, he often gets invited to speak in different places on um, how we can grow in our relationship with God, how we can see people healed when we pray, um, how we can hear from God and teach on these type of things. He's an amazing guy, and uh, he very kindly often invites people to come with him to learn and to get experience. So one time, he invited me and also Beth, um, who leads worship here, uh, to go along. And what happened was, uh, it was a, anyway, one time, this was like the second time he invited us, and the first time he'd invited us, we'd been there for a weekend, and then we meant, he was meant to speak on the Sunday morning, and then we were flying home. And on the Sunday morning, he woke up and he'd lost his voice. And so with about 20 minutes morning, I had to do the talk. And I hadn't really done many talks before. And it was just a big, big church. So it was quite an experience I wasn't expecting. So this time I thought, right, I'm going to be extra prepared. And I'd done a few talks by this stage. And so I had them all on a memory stick just in case. So I was like, I'm extra prepared. So the conference was going to be on a weekend. It was starting on a Friday evening. And Bruce wanted to get there extra early so it wouldn't be a rush. And we could just kind of, you know, relax and go to our hosts and whatever. So we were flying on the Thursday. So Thursday morning, he came and he picked us up himself. He drove us all the way to Heathrow in his car. But you know when you go to Heathrow, you can't just go there. You have to go to one of these, like, parking places miles away. So we went to this parking place, you know, found a space, queued up for the shuttle, got in the shuttle, got all the bags in the shuttle, trundled off, got into Heathrow. You know, so we're talking five hours or so by now. We walk into Heathrow, and Beth goes, oh, let me just get my passport out. And then suddenly it dawns on me, <laughs> I haven't brought my passport. <laughs> and it was like, you know what it's kind of like? It couldn't, it's not that like I've lost it, or did I leave it in the car park or something, or back in the car. It's like, I know exactly where it is. <laughs> it's in my top drawer with my socks. <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind to bring my passport. <laughs> so... Fortunately, I, uh, we went to the desk, they put my flight back a day free, which was very kind, and I had to get on a National Express all the way back to Swansea, I was in Swansea for half an hour, I picked up my passport back on the National Express, all the way back through the night to Heathrow, and caught the flight the following morning. So this is my picture here, it's, it's not actually, but this is, like, this is how I imagine myself staring at the plane that I was meant to be on as it flies off to Norway. So that's, the first, that's my first standout memory from that trip. But then a second standout memory, so when we actually got there, we were in one of the meetings, and um, beforehand, we, we knew we were going to pray for people at the end, but beforehand, uh, we'd been praying um, for God to show us of any conditions that people might have that we could pray for, because, you know, sometimes um, when we offer prayer, people, they might have an injury or be unwell, but they think, oh, you know, I don't know if this would happen for me, or, you know, mine's not really that important, or mine's not life-threatening, or so they, you know, we hold back. And so, you know, we always like to do this so that we know that actually we're counted in. So anyway, Beth, we were both praying, and, and Beth had, had a picture when she prayed in her mind's eye of someone um, with a support bandage on around their wrist. And she thought, oh, you know, what, what does that mean? And she felt God say that there might be someone in the room that day who'd broken their wrist before, and it was no longer broken, but it hadn't healed properly, and so it was still causing them problems. And they were still injured. And so Beth shared this uh, at the meeting. And then at the end, when we were praying for people, a guy came forward. And he'd broken his wrist skiing, I think. And he was a guy in maybe his 30s. And uh, it had healed. The bone, it was on the side. The bone had healed. But what had happened is one had, like, it had healed like on top of one another. And there was a big lump on his wrist. 
and it would hurt to touch, it was sore to touch, and um, he said it would ache in the cold weather, it would ache through the winter, and when you live in Norway, you know, it's not ideal, is it? So Beth prayed for him, I was standing with her, just simply prayed, you know, in Jesus' name, we command the pain to go, and the soreness to go, and this wrist to heal, amen, something like that, and, uh, and then when he looked down, and it was, it was amazing, the lump had gone. The lump on his wrist had gone. It had gone smooth and flat. And he was pushing his wrist. He was like, he couldn't believe it. It's gone, it's gone. And he was pushing down on his wrist, trying to make it hurt. And all the pain had gone, and the lump was gone. So that was the second standout memory from that trip. The two things I remember. That was pretty amazing. Now, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to speak in a friend's church. He invited me to come and speak there about healing. And so I was just making a list the other day of all the different healing stories I could remember of ones that, you know, that we've seen in the church, myself and, and others and different people in the church. And uh, I was getting this long list together, just writing them down and thinking over them. And one thing that stood out to me was um, all the different people who've had hands or wrists or things of that nature healed, the number of healings we've seen, you know, for people's hands and wrists and that kind of stuff, both big things and small things. So one of them, I remember, was Mike Leach. Um, he had strained his wrist, and it just wasn't getting better. And, um, you know, he said he was, he asked me one week to pray for him, and he said he was finding it hard, you know, playing with the kids on the floors when his kids were younger. He couldn't, like, push on his wrists to stand up. It was hard to carry them, that kind of thing. So, you know, not, nothing life-threatening in that sense, but just hurting all the time and making life difficult. So we just simply prayed in Jesus' name that the pain would go and his wrist would be strengthened, and it was, and his wrist was fine, and it was fine since. I mean, it's great because he's our drummer as well, isn't it? So that would have been a real problem if his wrist was bad. Now, sorry, Dan, I'm going to embarrass you here, but this is the first healing I ever remember was when I was a kid growing up, my dad used to have this massive wart on his thumb, and um, when you had to cross the road, did any parents make you hold their hand? It was like horrible if you were on the wart side, if you had the wart hand, because it was really big and you could feel it on your pressing against it. Anyway, he'd had, a, he'd, had, he'd had this wart for years, didn't you? He had it for years and years. He'd had it, been to the back and forth to the doctor, had it frozen, creams, all, tried all the different things and it wouldn't go. Anyway, one day I remember being in the back of the car. I must have been about five or six. My sister Rachel, maybe seven, eight or nine, that kind of age. I remember sitting in the back of the car. Rachel's in the front because she's the oldest, so she always used to get in the front. Uh, even now, she comes home, she'll ride in the front. I'll, you know, I'd have to jump in the back if we went somewhere as a family. Anyway, um, driving in the car, and I remember my dad, we were at traffic lights by like Devati lights with the big flats there, and I remember my dad but leaning his hand over like this to Rachel, and he said, Rachel, pray for my thumb, would you, that this wart would go. And so I can't remember how Rachel prayed, but you know, seven, eight, or nine, a little girl's prayer, that daddy's thumb would get better or something. And, uh, and after, not like in the moment, but was it, like a day or day or two later, the wart had gone. And you've had it for years and years and years, and you? And the wart had gone. So that's the first kind of healing and answer to prayer I ever remember. Then a number of years ago, um, many of you will remember Blod who she first came along to the church in her late 70s, maybe like kind of 2008, 2009 kind of time. And uh, she came along to our camera club and IT for the terrified to learn how to use a computer. And uh, then one Sunday, she was walking past our church building in Penland and she heard the music and she decided to pop her head in. So she popped her head in, she came to the service and uh, afterwards, someone prayed for her uh, hand because she used to have very severe arthritis 
lived in constant pain. Her hand was all swollen, so much so that at night she had to wear this kind of contraption, is what she called it, that would keep her hand from like closing up because otherwise her hand would close up and, and it would be hard to open again. So she would wear that at night. And so someone prayed for her after the meeting and uh, all the pain went. And all that week she had no pain in her hand. And then the next week she came back, I think she spoke to Julian, and he said, how's your hand? And she said, well, the pain's gone, but the swelling is still there. And so they prayed for her again, and all the swelling went, and her hand was completely healed, and she could cook again, she said she loved to cook, she could cook again, she could bake again, which was amazing for the youth, because she used to love to bake us Welsh cakes, uh, so that was great for us. But also, the amazing thing about Blod as well is that she'd also been deaf for 30 years, and needed a hearing aid, uh, well, partial hearing, but you know, it was quite severe, and... Um, she didn't ask for prayer for that, but then when she got home, she was watching the TV, and she said she had a strange sensation down the side here as if someone poured cold water down her head, and then her ear popped, and then suddenly the TV was really loud. She had to pull her hearing aid out. She thought the TV was broken, and it turned out she'd been healed of deafness, and she never wore a hearing aid again until... Um, well, she never wore it again. And uh, I think end of 2014, 2015... 12 or so years later after being with us, she passed away and went, and went to heaven, which is wonderful. We look forward to seeing her again. So some great stories, isn't it? And there's a famous moment in Jesus' life when he encounters a man uh, with a withered hand or a paralyzed hand or a shriveled hand. And so I thought we could look at it together this morning and then uh, we can pray for people here this morning. Does that sound okay? Great. So, a little bit of context. So, at this point, Jesus had been traveling around Galilee. It was quite early on in his ministry. He'd been teaching, healing, calling people to follow him, and he began to attract some attention uh, in a good way, but also from some of the religious leaders who were a bit jealous of what Jesus was doing and the attention he was having, and uh, they weren't sure what they were going to do with him. So, it says this in Mark chapter 3. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man was there with a shriveled hand. A man with a shriveled hand was there. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And so on the, the Sabbath was a day of rest. And this was a gift from God which he had instituted for Israel uh, after he'd rescued them from slavery in Egypt. So they'd been slaves for 300 years and now they were free and God instituted that once a week, everyone would have a day off from working, where they could rest, spend time with family, worship God. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? That'd be lovely if we all had that. And uh, it was also a physical reminder as well, to remind them that ultimately, it's God that they rely on, you know, that we don't do all this life in our own strength, kind of, you know, working ourselves to death, if you like, but we rely on God and we can trust him. But here we see how the religious leaders, they were like using this gift and twisting it for like their own political goals. And it was something that was intended to bless and to serve people and, you know, to help people. Uh, but it was ending up almost like being a, a method of control and a trap. Um, and so we see this dynamic here. And so Jesus has a choice. Is he going to people please in this moment? Is he going to try and win favor with these people? religious leaders who were powerful and, you know, in charge, or was he going to show compassion? 
and all eyes would have been on Jesus because a synagogue back then, it was like a community space, almost like a community center like we'd have today. It was a place of teaching, both for children and adults, food and health and other things. Charity would be distributed from there through the week. And on a Sabbath day, people would gather to hear the Old Testament, the scriptures read and explained. And usually the layout would look a little bit like this. This is one that they found and like kind of dug out an old first century one. And, um, and people would, it would like be in a, uh, almost in the round, you know, so everyone would be facing each other. And there'd be a synagogue leader who would uh, be in charge of arranging who was going to read and who was going to teach. And he might call on different people. Different people could contribute during the gathering as well. And so at some point, Jesus is invited to speak, and it's all in the round, and all eyes are on him. So you can imagine the tension in the room. So it says this next. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So everyone's watching. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they would not answer him. And so Jesus exposes his critics' motives and uh, you know what's really behind what they're after. They're just trying to get at Jesus. And uh, you see how his question is met with like an awkward silence. <laughs> and he says this next. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. And I can imagine the gasps in the room of the onlookers. Like I remember when that guy saw that the lump on his hand, on his wrist was gone and the, the shock. But I can imagine everyone, you know, it was only me, him and Beth there. But could you imagine if everyone... <gasps> That, that gasp. I remember once in a meeting here, actually, when Bruce actually came to speak here. It was uh, January, February time a few years ago. And he prayed for a guy who was visiting the church, just happened to be come along that Sunday, a guy called Peter. And what had happened was we'd had one of those really like icy cold snaps. And in the week or so leading up to, he'd fallen on his shoulder and it had kind of like, you know, bruised it and hurt it. And uh, he was struggling to move it since then. I'm not sure how long it had been. And uh, Bruce offered to pray for him, and this was in front of everyone. Um, there's a few people he was praying for, and he said, you know, oh, how, and the guy was, Peter, was showing, like, oh, I, you know, I can only move it to here, and then you could see him wincing. And then Bruce prayed for him, and he said, oh, right, move it now, see how it is. And he went, like this, and, he could, and everyone, oh, like that, because we'd all just seen him wincing, and then he could do it fine. So that's the closest I've come to that gasp moment. I remember, though, on another occasion up in Penland, um, there was a couple of young lads who used to come to some of our projects, a youth club, and get food and things, and then their whole family would come when we'd run our experiences. And one week, I was chatting with one of the boys' dads, a guy called Kev, and um, he um, was a bus driver. And what had happened in that experience, Mick, I think, had shared how your thumb, Mick, had been healed, or finger, isn't it, with you'd had some pain and it'd been a problem with you for work, and we'd prayed and you'd received healing, and then you had shared um, during the experience, and Kev had heard it, and so afterwards when he, we were chatting, he asked if I would pray for his hands, because he had a carpal tunnel, you know, in, in your wrists, and that kind of strain, and because he was a bus driver, that's probably maybe what caused it, I don't know, but... You know, that, it would, he would be in pain every day doing his job. And so I just simply prayed for him, Jesus, would you heal Kev's carpal tunnel in your name, amen, or something like that. And when I prayed, he didn't feel anything. 
I didn't feel anything. There was no gasp. It seemed like nothing had happened. And, um, you know, we carried on chatting, and then he and the family went off. I didn't see him for ages after that, just because he you know, used to come with his boys from time to time. And maybe a year or so later, I bumped into him, um, maybe at one of these things again, and I thought, oh, I wonder if he'd be up for me praying again, because I didn't think anything had happened. And so I asked him, I said, oh, Kev, how's the, uh, how's the carpal tunnel? Do you want me to pray for you again? And he went, oh, yeah, it's great. Since you prayed last time up the church, it's been fine. And he'd been healed, and I didn't even know, because, uh, you know, there wasn't, like, anything obvious, but obviously that pain had gone, and he'd been fine since. Isn't that great? During lockdown, my mum one day was working at her desk, and she saw the postman coming towards the door with a parcel, and she noticed that his hand was all bandaged up. And so she opened the door, and they were having a little chat, because they chat on the doorstep, and uh, she asked, oh, you know, what's up with your hand? And uh, he had damaged it. He'd hurt it somehow. She can't remember what he had done. But he said oh, he'd been in pain for a number of weeks. And he'd been to the doctor, and they said it was going to take a, a further number of weeks to recover. And he was finding it really difficult, especially in lockdown with all the parcels everyone was ordering. He was finding it really difficult to do his job, but he couldn't like, afford to take the time off work. And um, so my mom said, well, can I pray for you? And so keeping a two-meter distance at the door, lockdown times, she just simply prayed, in the name of Jesus, I command this wrist and hand to be healed and the pain to go and strength to return. Amen. Something like that. And the post was like, oh, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And she said, as he walked back to the van, you know, he like closed the van and then shouted out, thanks for the prayer. And then, you know, went off. And that's one thing that I noticed whenever we offer to pray for people. Sometimes we can have the thought, oh, what if, what if they don't get healed? You know, what if it doesn't happen? And then what are they going to think? And, we, and it holds us back. But this is the thing I always notice. Whenever you offer to pray for someone, they're just, even if they aren't healed, they're grateful that you offered and that you showed enough love and compassion and care that you would, that you would offer to do something to help that we know does, does help, isn't it? What we've experienced and that we would offer. I remember one time, I'm a school governor in a local school, and um, for a little while, uh, the Lord Mayor, uh, she's a counsellor, and at the time was the Lord Mayor, Kywin Jones. She opened Venue 2 for us. I only have a picture of her in cake form today, I'm afraid. <laughs> but um, I couldn't find the real one, but I have the cake version. So, <laughs> sorry, Kywin, if you're offering. Um, maybe you could send one in. Anyway, um, I was driving, it was after a school governor's meeting, and uh, she didn't have a lift home, so I offered her a lift home. And she had a bandage and like thing on her wrist. And with Kynwin as well, there's no, what's the word? There's no, um, nothing gets past Kynwin. She couldn't make it to all the governor's meetings because she's very busy being a councillor and the mayor and stuff. But when she was there, she was there. Do you know what I mean? Like there was no, nothing would get past her. So, so I was driving, I noticed the bandage and I was like, Oh my God, I offered to pray for Kaiwen. And uh, anyway, because I said, Kaiwen, I noticed you've got a bandage on. You know, she explained her arthritis and she was in pain. And uh, I said, you know, I just, oh, in our church, you know, we often pray for people who've had an injury and unwell. And, you know, we often see people healed when we pray. Would you like me to pray for you? And she turned in the car and she grabbed my hands and she went, oh, yes, please. Yes, please. And so I simply prayed for her in the car. And just like when I prayed with Kev, you know, it didn't look as if anything had happened. She was quite emotional, actually. But it um, didn't seem like anything had happened in her wrist. Um, 
But she's like, thank you. She was just, she was so grateful. She was so grateful. And then she got out of the car. She went in. And um, not long after that, her husband was unwell and she had to step down from the governor's. I actually haven't seen, I actually haven't seen her since. So I'm not sure, you know, how, how it's been and if it did get any better or not. But I, what I remember is how grateful and appreciative she was that I would offer to pray in that moment. Anyway, back to the postman. Um, a few days or a couple of weeks later or whatever, he came back round with another parcel, as it was in lockdown times. And did anyone more order parcels than normal during lockdown? <laughs> and uh, my, he came down the, down the drive with no bandage. And my mum asked him how his hand was and said, since you prayed, the pain is gone and my hand is better. Isn't that amazing? Um, yes. What happens next? <laughs> so, just as Jesus healed in the Bible, Jesus is alive today. He lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has empowered us and permissioned us to do the same, to offer prayer, to heal in his name. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And the next verse, it says how he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, yesterday, I don't know if it was actually yesterday, but this weekend has been Amanda's 50th birthday. So happy birthday, Amanda. It was lovely to uh, celebrate with you. And a few years ago, Amanda was in a knitting group. And uh, I'm not sure how the knitting group works, but there was a lady in the group who had arthritis. And I imagine that's difficult to knit with arthritis. And uh, Amanda had noticed, and in front of the whole group, she offered to pray for this lady, and this lady was healed. Her pain and the stiffness went, and this lady was healed in the middle of the knitting group. And uh, I bet that took real courage to do that. Amanda said the whole group was stunned, but I took, bet that took real courage to do that in front of everyone, just like it did for Jesus in front of everyone in the synagogue. In this moment here, we see how Jesus combines courage and compassion. Because this healing came at a cost for Jesus. Next it says this. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And at this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. And uh, that's actually in Mark's one. It says, at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. And this is the first time in the Gospels and in Mark that the Jesus' death and the plot to kill him is mentioned. And so from herein, we see how the reality of what lay ahead for Jesus and the tension of that begins to increase and increase. And in ultimately, Jesus showed the most immense courage when he went to the cross. When he died on the cross, God himself as a man for all the wrong things that we've ever done or ever will do, and three days later, he came back to life again, and he's alive now, alive in heaven, winning for us eternal life. And when we welcome him into our lives, he forgives us for the things we've done wrong. He meets us in our lives today. He gives us the gift of eternal life, and he is with us, and we get to journey with him the rest of our lives. But for Jesus, where did this immense courage come from to go to the cross? With all that that meant and the crucifixion, where did that courage come from? We see that in moments like this is where it started, where not as much was at stake, when he could have ducked out, when the crowds weren't as big. 
but instead he showed compassion and courage in the small moments, in the daily moments. And years later, immense courage at the cross. Last week, Julian spoke on faith, hope, and love. And he said how we can grow in faith and hold on to hope and see God at work in our lives. And often it starts with the small things. We have faith for the small things, a small answer to prayer where we you know, step out in faith in different kind of ways. And as our faith grows, you know, gave the example of this building here and the faith that we had to go for this building here. But that, that was, you know, 30, 25 years into a journey where we'd kind of grown to that place of trusting God, if you like. And for each one of us, small acts of daily courage where we notice a friend or a colleague who's unwell or in pain and we just say, can I pray for you? Or when we extend an invitation or we share our faith or we encourage someone and go out of our way to do so, small moments of daily courage make a big difference and allow God to work in our lives and we see great things. And for Jesus, this moment here in the synagogue kind of goes viral, as we would say now. It says this next, Jesus went out to the lake, this is right after, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. They came all over from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River and even as far north as Tyre and Sidon, the news about his miracles had spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. And in Matthew's gospel, he explains how what Jesus did here fulfills a prophecy, a promise that God had given hundreds of years before of what he was going to do through Jesus for the people then and right down to us today. And it says this, talking about Jesus, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. But finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world, of all the world. That includes us, of all the world, of Swansea, (laughs) of Morriston, of Neath Road, where we are right now, of all the world, our hope, the hope of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the healing of Jesus stretches right across our world, right down to us this morning. So why don't we pray? And then we'll have a moment where we can pray for one another as well. If anyone here needs prayer for healing this morning. Jesus, I thank you for your amazing compassion and courage, which you demonstrated when you were here on the earth, when you healed the sick, when you weren't afraid to do it in front of others who didn't want you to, but you did it anyway because you love people and you went all the way to the cross where you died to bring a change in our world, to free us from sin so we could know you in our lives, so we could be healed, so we could have eternal life. And I thank you that you're alive today and you're with us now by your presence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we invite you now, Holy Spirit, and I pray, would you come and meet us this morning with your compassion and with your healing? We welcome you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so it'd be great to take a few moments. Uh, We've got about five, ten minutes to pray for anyone here who would um, like prayer for healing. And so it'd be great, I thought, we could start off if anyone here has got pain in their hands or their wrists 
or something of that nature. We could start with that. But I don't know if Chloe and Julian, you, just like I shared about Beth, how she prayed before that meeting in Norway, you guys have been praying as well. Do you want to come and share some things? And then we'll start with those. But anyone who would like prayer can get prayed for. But I don't want anyone to count themselves out this morning. So... Yeah, anyone who might have pain in the left jaw, which maybe is going into the ear. Someone with like a foggy head, um, like a headache or foggy head, and pain in the right shoulder going into the trap. Great. Somebody's got a problem with their right knee. Um, it could be something with your heart or, up or chest or lung here, like there's on the left side, the left lung or heart. I, I'm not quite sure whether it's a heart issue, but there's something here that concerns. So jump in with that. Back shoulder blade, your hearing, or problems with your ears. It might be painful ears or, or a, a, recond- a reoccurring condition with the ears, or you just need to be able to hear properly. Migraine comes right down the front of your forehead here. Um, constant nausea. You struggle with constant nausea. Um, and left and pain across the top of your toes, particularly on your right foot. And it's caused, so when you bend your toes to walk, you can feel that pain and uh, a problem with your left ankle. Fantastic, great. So lots of things there. So what I'm going to ask us to do is, um, if any of those relate to you and you'd like to, someone to, you'd like to receive prayer and someone to pray with you, then I'm just going to, I'm not going to ask you to come up the front, but if you just want to put a, like a hand up where you are, um, then as like a response to say, yeah, I'd like to be prayed for right now. I'd like to, um, and someone to come. And, and we're just going to pray where we are here. So you won't have to come up the front or anything. So if there any of those relate to you, why don't you just put a hand up where you are, and if you'd like prayer, that'd be great. And then if, if people from the church can just look around and see where people's hands are up, that'd be fantastic. And then what I'm going to invite us to do, I'm going to say, when we all stand together, and then um, if any from the church want to gather around those with their hands up, and then we, you can pray for them as I pray for them as well. Can you say something? If there's anybody here who has come today specifically because they want to be healed, and yeah. that's why they're here. Yeah, then, do, then please put your hand up as well. So let me just, uh, I'm just going to pray for us all, and then you pray for the person with you, and then I'll call us back together. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room here, and I thank you that you love them and they're important to you. And for each person who stood up now for healing, I ask, would you come and meet them with the power of your Holy Spirit? And in Jesus' name, I speak to pain in the bodies, and I command pain to go and movement to be restored and sickness to go in Jesus' name. We welcome your healing power through the Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to encourage us, so two weeks ago, we prayed for a lady who'd had hip pain for a number of years, and the doctors had said to her that she was going to need a hip replacement by the time she was 60. We prayed for her, didn't we, at the end of the meeting. All the pain left. She said, let me test it out. She would, said it would hurt when she would sit down, stand up. So she, she played sit down, stand up a couple of times, and all the pain had gone. So that was great, isn't it? And then last week, we prayed for you, Holly, didn't we? What happened for yeah, you? Yeah, so um, I'm a teacher, and I've been in school learning my PGC. And they changed the tables, and so my neck looking at the board was cricked the whole time. And I came home from school like, oh, my neck is hurting so much. So then I came to Matthew like, oh my gosh, my, my neck hurts so much. And every time I would turn, it would just be so sore. Um, and I came to you and asked you for healing. 
and as well with our friend Mary, who has some issues with his stomach. And I grabbed her before we went into student lunch. I was like, we're going to get healed today. We're going to get some prayer. I know it. <laughs> I was like, you're coming with me. Thanks. Um, and um, I asked you and Chloe to pray for me. I got healed in the neck, so my neck is completely fine and well. It went straight away, and it felt so light, and just like all that tension was gone. And um, Mary had some peace as well in his stomach, and his stomach has been better as well. Oh, great. Fantastic. Thank you, Holly. Should we give her a clap? Thank you for sharing, Holly. So, see, you know, big things and small things, short-term things, long-term things, all these things can be prayed for. So why don't we pray once more? It's always good to pray at least twice. So why don't we pray once more? So if you're receiving prayer, and if you still need prayer, let's, let's go again. We'll pray once more. If you notice anything different, then you can let us know. So let's go for again. Father, we thank you for the story from Holly and Mary and... Um, lady a couple of weeks ago, and we pray now, would you do the same things again? We welcome your healing power in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Go for it. Fantastic. Amen. Why didn't you happen? Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, I would like to testify because when pastor was telling about someone have a, has been hurt on the left foot, so it was me, and I was praying uh, when you just said that... I left my hand, so when you pray, now I'm feeling 100% better, and I thank God for that. Thank you. Great. Thank you. That's amazing. Bless you. Thank you for sharing. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you, everyone. You can take a seat if you'd like. I'll hand back to Chloe. Uh, if you've um, noticed anything, feel free to let us know. If you'd like more prayer, you can always grab us after, and we'll continue to pray as well. Thanks, Chloe.